Conversations with Catholic Voices. Tackling the tough questions with Daniel Noor and Catholic Voices Australia. Hello listeners, my name is Daniel Noor. I'm a young Catholic, I'm a convert to this faith, this broad church with its many rooms, and I have come with a lot of junk, frankly. I have questions, I have confusions, I'm sure I have some prejudices as well because I live in the world after all, and the Catholic Church does not have a great reputation, I'm not going to lie. Things are... it's... It's less than popular. And, uh, and so for this reason, I'm here to get things straight on the major theological, social, political problems that face the church today. You're joining me in yet another installment of Conversations with Catholic Voices. Radio is Sydney's key network for young Catholics. Um, I like to think of it as my lifeline to the Pope. Uh, not so much prayer, just Cradio. And as such, they've given me a representative of the church, have allowed me to have at it, talk to him about any questions I may have, uh, perhaps also life advice generally. Like, for example, you know, what do you think I should do with this job? That might be irrelevant to the podcast, though, because today we're just talking to Paul Sheehan, a lovely gentleman who Catholic Voices is providing as an advocate for the church, about the topic of the church and the Muslim community. Paul, how are you? Hi, Daniel. I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. Um, This is, of course, the second of, uh, I suppose, a two-part series on this topic. Yeah, that's right. It's a a big one. There are so many different facets and, I suppose, so many different issues. So, let us begin then with this uh, broad question. Now, anyone who uh, lives in the world, certainly lives in the West, knows that Muslims are not the most, much like the Catholic Church, as a matter of fact, not the most popular minority group insofar as the media has been concerned, or has, you know, historically been concerned, especially since 2011 and the events which uh, put them perhaps at the coalface of persecution and discrimination and certainly a kind of stigma. But that's not so much what we're talking about as as is this. Keeping in mind that there is uh, persecution and, um, you know, we have seen a kind of uh, vitriol geared toward the Muslim community, should we not ask, for Catholics and for Christians in general actually, what is the difference between dialogue with and mere tolerance of Muslims? What is the difference between a dialogue with and a mere tolerance of Muslims. Is there a difference, Paul? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, we need to start by asking ourselves, what do we mean by dialogue and tolerance? Because today we we hear the word tolerance used quite a bit and often in the the wrong way. It's often applied to tolerating anything or any kind of behaviour. But a correct understanding of tolerance is that we tolerate people regardless of their behaviour or whatever ideology they prescribe to. So, yes. and in regards to dialogue, I mean, I think dialogue should always advance truth in somehow. It should have some goal about understanding each other better or understanding the world better. 
and rather than just coming together and making each other feel nice about each other without actually understanding anything more than we already did. And I think if we look at the current tensions between Muslims and Christians, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that there isn't dialogue and there's this distance. So yes. the fact that there is so much tension is, is you know, evidence that we need to dialogue. It's true. There is evidence. I mean, I, I certainly am, am conscious of that, just living, you know, like, like we said, in, in, in society. There yeah, is a correct. rift, I think. There is a rift. Uh, but, but then, yes, I, w- I would be interested to hear if there's any way that we might be, or anyone is, overstepping the boundaries of good taste or respectfulness, perhaps. Well, I think there's, there's a fear often that dialogue and tolerance somehow means renouncing your identity and accepting yes. or compromising on your own faith and morals. But this is something the Pope spoke about quite recently. And he said that that is not what true dialogue is about. It's not about compromising your beliefs. It's, it's about encountering and dialoguing with persons that are different to ourselves. And he, he regards it as an opportunity for growth. Um, which, you know, and ultimately should lead to a peaceful understanding and respect for each other, yeah. even if we don't believe in each other's ideologies. Um, yeah, so, I, I, you know, it should come from, from that point of view. And, it, you know, you can go back throughout the history of the church, back to the Second Vatican Council and the documents it published on interreligious dialogue, and there's a lot in there about how we as Catholics should dialogue with people of different faiths, and in particular the Muslims. Yes. And this is something John Paul II, when he was Pope, also stressed. Um, you know, he mentioned that we have so much in common with Muslims. We both believe in the concept of the one God. Um, and, yeah, he stressed that more than ever at the moment there's a need for us to dialogue with the Muslim world. And he said this 20 or 30 years ago. So, I mean, today with everything that's going on in the Middle East, there's even more more reason to dialogue with Muslims. Paul, is there a legitimate reason um, to fear Muslims and to criticise their religion? Now, well, this comes back again to we we tolerate people. We tolerate everyone. So this is not about being critical of Muslims. It's fair enough if someone says they don't like aspects of Islam, but I think most people would agree the majority of Muslims are good people they're peaceful people. They've contributed to so much of society, so much to Australian society. It's really, it's this extreme fundamental form of Islam that I don't think we should expect people to tolerate. And I don't think they do. You've heard then that Muslims would ask you to note the distinction between, I suppose, what is called moderate Islam, which I've heard is itself a kind of derogatory term because that connotes that, I, I, that that one can be immoderate or indeed, you know, a terrorist merely on the basis of their, I, I suppose, interpretation of a thing. Uh, yeah. And, and, and then, of course, you know, the, the Islamist groups, especially the militant Islamist groups, which are a minority, a minority of uh, a worldwide religion numbering in the billions. Yes. Now, do you feel that this is a useful distinction to make? Is it, in, yeah, is look, it I, a helpful distinction to make? Well, I think it's an accurate description. I mean, there are, like I said, the majority of Muslims are peaceful and they don't believe in these more fundamental 
interpretations of the Quran. Yes. But I think it's, yeah, I mean, as a Catholic, there's, there's a lot of questions I have about Islam as well. And I guess I often wonder, is there something about Islam that leads to these, these kind of fundamentalists and the extreme beliefs they have? Uh, so I wonder, you know, that's something where, where I think dialogue is necessary to understand, well, why, how do, how do Muslims interpret certain pastors in the Quran that, you know, somehow sound perhaps a little bit controversial to us? You know, and then I hear about concepts of this worldwide community of Muslims and how every Muslim has an obligation to help other Muslims anywhere in the world. And that makes me wonder, is that why we often see these fundamentalist groups popping up? And, and do they have a fear of the West? I guess they're the questions I have, and they're probably the, the questions that a lot of other Christians have as well. It's true. I would say that the, and this is in my experience as an Arab Christian myself, and in my limited, but I feel still legitimate and substantial in its own, uh, in its own way, uh, experience as a political science student studying the Arab world, that so much of what is Islamic terrorism or militant behavior is misconstrued as that kind of thing when it's merely politics and so often it's political. Uh, we know we've certainly seen that, I think, in the case of this, this second journalist who has been killed by ISIS, Stephen Sotlop, who joins James Foley in those ranks. Now, I'm, I'm not commenting here on the other implications of this event and what they might make us think of the religion of the people involved with the murder. But what I am saying is there are so many different kinds of Islam. And it is also the case that various Islamist movements, not to mention merely the large, I suppose we might call them denominations, although I'm not sure if that's correct, of the faith, are not in agreement with each other. There's Sufis, and uh, they're a minority themselves, but then also Sunnis and, and Shiites. And uh, in Egypt, for example, which I know a little bit about, a Muslim government was removed by a Muslim population because its policies were deemed offensive to the Egyptian people, and that was the removal of the Muslim Brotherhood. I yes. am concerned as a civilian, I suppose, a citizen of Australia, that this kind of nuance is lost on most people. And what they see is, oh no, here we go again, Muslim terrorists besieging the world. And, you know, much in the same way that Kath and Kim are afraid of immigration, uh, yeah. that they will come here and destroy our country as well. And that is something I'm wary of. Am I being too sensitive about that, Paul? I don't know if you're being too sensitive. I mean, there are, I think there are legitimate concerns out there that people have. And in a sense, I, I think most people understand that, and we hear it all, all the time in the media, most people understand that this is not the real Islam. The majority of Muslims don't behave like this. Islam and the Quran does not preach hatred against other people. But perhaps that doesn't matter as much because it, at the end of the day, the question really is why are we seeing this rise in fundamentalist Islamic behavior? Ooh. Why are we seeing this extremism? And I think that's the real question. Why are we seeing this hatred against Christians in the Middle East? I think people do understand that Muslims and Islam is a peaceful religion. Yes. 
Yes, in this, you know, because they respect that most uh, citizens of a country or human beings in general prefer peace and prosperity and the goodwill of people than they do bloodshed and war and uncertainty. I, I think, I think that's fair, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, I think that's true. But, uh, but um, then, but then, go on. I feel like what you really want to engage with, and I'm sure our listeners would like to hear it, is what is the responsibility of the Catholic Church in its theological and um, dogmatic uh, criticism of another religion, or at least the dialogue with that religion. Is there a distinction between criticism and dialogue? I think that's what I suppose people are interested in now. Yeah. Well, I guess from my point of view, I'd say criticism of the, of the beliefs of religion is part of dialogue, as long as it's done politely and appropriately. But dialogue should also be about understanding one another, living together, working together on common beliefs. But there is also that, I mean, at the end of the day, we're Christians and we have an obligation to evangelize. So, you know, we're not criticizing Muslim people, but we might criticize aspects of their beliefs, perhaps. I don't think there's a problem with that. You don't think as long as we're somehow we're advancing understanding and truth as long as it's done appropriately. Yes. And there is also the very real, you know, the difficulties of those living in states where militant groups are in charge. There's the persecution of Christians in Syria and Iraq and the Arab world in general. Uh, Paul, would you be able to provide any comment about how the Catholic Church has responded to that? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's responded in a number of ways. So if we look at right from the very top, what the Pope has said. Um, the Pope's spoken out against persecution and violence in the Middle East. He called for a day of prayer about a year ago when tensions first arose. Um, at the time, the US and the UK wanted to take military action in Syria and the Pope called this day of peace to pray uh, for the persecution that was happening. So, and he stressed at that time that, you know, war and violence doesn't ultimately lead to peace. It just leads to more war and violence. Uh, but it's interesting to note that also recently he actually said that, well, in some cases where the violence is so bad, he understands the need um, for military action. So, you know, but he's very cautious about that. that he, he also says it's not about going to war or making war with another country. It's about ending war. It's about ending violence. Yeah. So the, the Pope, for one thing, has done a number of things. And then locally on the ground, um, you know, all around the world there's been rallies and support for Christians in the Middle East. There's one in Melbourne this very weekend. Uh, there's international Catholic organisations like Catholic Relief Services, Aid to the Church in Need. You know, these organisations have done so much for the persecution and the people that are being persecuted on the ground in the Middle East. So I, I think the church is doing a lot. Um, but, you know, we, we can be doing more as well. Uh, I would ask further to this about Muslim-Christian relations in countries like this. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, perhaps if you want to touch on what is our responsibility to th those nations and to our Christian uh, I suppose, uh, brothers and sisters, for want of a less, I do find it a cheesy term, I have to say. And also just what can we, what can we do in the, I suppose, the pursuit of peace? Yeah, well, I mean, and it's not just about our 
Christian brothers and sisters. It's about any any person that's um, being persecuted. No, no, I, I want nothing to do with them. I'm yeah, that's him. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, and we, we have to keep, well, we have to dialogue. That's that's one thing. We have to talk to Muslims. We have to help them understand that, you know, we don't think they're all Islamic extremists. We understand that difference. We want to work together. Uh, we want them also to speak out about what's going on there and, and reassure us that they don't support it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's so much we can be doing. Um, prayer, obviously, is another one. And I guess, yeah, Mother Teresa was famous for saying that from her point of view, she wants to help a person become a better person, whether they're a Hindu, a Muslim, a Christian. At the end of the day, we want to help people. It's not about whether we're right or they're wrong. Yes, that's true. Uh, I would also, though, I, I would, I want to ask, is there uh, some kind of, you know, church level movement in the pursuit of uh, of a, a better living relations for those in largely Muslim countries. So is there some kind of inter-religious event that the Vatican is running or has the Pope visited any of these uh, persecuted nations or has he made any statements about wanting to visit, that kind of thing? Well, I know this is something Pope John Paul II was very big about. He he reached out to other other cultures and people of other religions Yep. And he, he always stressed the need to dialogue with them. So there's that. And then, you know, locally on the ground, the one of the interesting things I uh, sort of read about recently was that the church, the Catholic church and Muslims have lived together in the Middle East for, you know, hundreds of years. That's true. And there really hasn't been, relatively speaking, there really hasn't been a lot of problems compared to what we're seeing now. So it, it's really ever since you know, the intervention of the West and these radical Muslims have reacted to what they see as the modernization and the secularization of their countries. Uh, you know, it's really, that's where we've seen the rise of Islamic extremism and that's where we've seen these extremists turn on Christians and other minorities in their country. Yes. That's where the tensions really come from. So the church has really lived in, you know, relative harmony with other, you know, Muslims in the area for a long time. That's the other thing I'd point out is that this is it's a fairly recent phenomenon that we're seeing now. Um, but then if, if you want to look at, I mean, there's organizations like Caritas, which is doing a lot of good for both Christians and Muslims all around the world. Um, so there's organizations like that also. Yes. I, to close, would just want to know, you know, in terms of that aid that's being offered, what is mm -hmm. the uh, relationship between the church and the living conditions for impoverished Muslims all over the world. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the, Have the we church doesn't on that? sort of... Well, I've touched on it briefly, talking about Caritas and some of the international organisations that we have. But I'd come back to what Mother Teresa said. You know, we don't distinguish between people, whether they're Muslim or not Muslim. You know, the church does so much good in terms of its charity work and for those living in poverty all around the world, uh, regardless of what faith they are. So I'm not aware of any specific organization that reaches out to Muslims. Perhaps there is a need for it now, given all the tension and the violence we've seen in the Middle East. But I think that there's probably a need for that all around the world because this crisis in the Middle East really extends to every country where we find Christians and Muslims and, and the, the tension that's resulted. So, you know, I, 
I don't know, maybe as individual Catholics, we need to be doing more also. I, I, I would want to know about that, yeah, Paul. That's really, I'm glad that you brought it to, back to that, really. So what, what do I do in the workplace, for example, when I see their uh, Muslim colleague and I want to, I mean, I'm not asking how am I, how am I to be a normal person. I am not so socially awkward and, <laughs> and, so, and so Catholic as to be living in that kind of bubble. You know, I'm, I'd hope to be Catholic in the truest sense, that, you know, I live in the world and I, yes. I, I'm universal. But for all that, is there a way that we can improve our relationships with our Muslim colleagues and friends? And is there a way that we can actually have those relationships, which I'm sure many people don't have? Yeah, look, there's a, there's a, a Muslim in the, in the office where I work and we get along really well. There's, there's no tension. I think it's just treating people equally and fairly and letting them letting them know that we don't see Islam as the threat. You know, yeah. it's the fundamentalists that we that we have a problem with. And look, even if, you know, there are certain points, if we get down to more details, there are there's gonna be certain points where our Christian faith is not gonna agree with and is uh, certain things in Islamic faith, but you know, that can be an opportunity for us to dialogue and, and better understand each other. So, you know, we shouldn't fear, you know, how we relate to these people. We should just treat them as we would anyone else in our community, um, you know, treat them as our friends. And on that, I want to say rather human note, uh, Paul, I think we've covered the basics. Obviously, it would be difficult for us to talk about any I mean, if you want to talk to a Muslim friend about the finer points of theology, then I probably would go to a textbook. But, um, or indeed, you know, the texts themselves. But I hope that in uh, an accessible way, we've, I suppose, reconciled our, our responsibility to the church's teachings and also our responsibility to, to be decent people who are, you know, well accessible in the workplace and in society and who don't make enemies needlessly and um, uh, are still loving and well-informed and, and not prejudiced. So thank you so much once again, Paul. Uh, we, we always appreciate your time and your uh, very uh, well-informed opinions. No problem. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you, listeners. There are so many other podcasts that you can enjoy here on Cradio. Some are a, le- a little bit less politically charged than the church and the Muslim community. Uh, there are moral, and theological, and social topics for your enjoyment as well. And so uh, we encourage you to browse the website and to join us for our next installment uh, of Conversations with Catholic Voices. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Conversations with Catholic Voices. Stay tuned for more episodes at cradio.org.au. And for more information on Catholic Voices Australia, visit catholicvoices.org.au. Radio.org.au